just like you to think about something for a minute before we get into the Word today. And by the way, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 today. But I'd like you to think about something today. Um, Participation. 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 What's that? He's making me wait. He's making you wait. So you and I participate in different things in our lives. Um, You could say we wear different hats, but we participate. We are participants. That's just... Um, uh, just how God made us. We're part of a community, so we participate. Um, So participation. Uh, We participate in uh, voting. We participate in um, our family, our family gatherings. We participate. There's a part that we play in our family gatherings. Um, We participate at work. We're part of a work team. Uh, We participate at school. uh, And then... uh, Projects, uh, participation. Uh, we participate here at church. You participate by coming and and uh, doing things here, even um, uh, doing things with the family here, uh, helping out. Participation. Partic- Some of you are splitting wood, and we're at El Rey's place, and so uh, participate in doing that. Um, so. Uh, you were geared, and that's what we do, is we participate in these different things um, in life. So participation, participation. So what we're going to see here today is we're going to see a man that, partici- that was participating in the powers of darkness. And if you've believed on the Lord Jesus, at one time you participated full on in the powers of darkness. You were part of that participation. You did the things that were of the world. What, what is it? The three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. You fully participated in that life. And it was a selfish life. And if you didn't get what you wanted, you stomped and you turned into a two-year-old and it was a mess all around you. Um, so participating in the so we're going to see one man who participated in the powers of darkness and the devastation that happened all around him. And then we're going to look in the life of one man that participated in the power of light. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. And we're going to see the beauty and the amazing things that healing and joy that happened around him. Isn't that amazing to think that you and I have participated in the powers of darkness, but the Bible says that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Amen. Amen. So a new life to be lived. And so forgetting the powers of darkness. However, in our life, there are some tentacles that seem to come out and try to pull us back into this old way of dark living where it's selfishness and if I don't get my way, I'm a beast. And so we fight those things and through the power of God, we can sever those tentacles that come out. But we have to be on top of it, don't we? We, we, we can't just give a little bit. We can't say, oh, that's just a little pet sin 
can we? It's like it starts, that pet starts to grow. And it's like, whoa, I used to be able to kick that pet. And now it's, it's starting to consume me and drag me around like a big dog. So we have to be careful when we're walking in this life to, to cut those things off, those tentacles that try to reach out and pull us back. But through the power of God, it is possible. Amen? Amen. There's many of you sitting here today say, you know, I was involved in, in, in addictions and I've, through the power of God, I've been set free. Amen. Amen. So our lives are lived that way. So let's look at Acts chapter 8. And, of course, wouldn't you know it, this is the first time we hear uh, about Paul. And this is, this is actually his, his Hebrew name is Saul. And um, Paul comes from kind of a Roman thing, but there's a Latin twist to it. And so, interesting enough, but his, his Hebrew name is Saul. And we ended last time... Uh, uh, when when Howard was preaching on uh, the the stoning of Stephen, the first one who was martyred for the name of Jesus, and he went out in such a big way, it was impressive. The Holy Spirit. So let's let's read part of that this morning. Uh, you're in chapter eight of Acts, but go back up to verse fifty-seven. And so when they were sto- well, let's do f- uh, fifty-six. And they, and and he said. Look, I see the heaven open and the Son of God standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes down at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down, cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Well, that's a real pleasant way of saying you were stoned to death. So being in Israel, there's rocks everywhere. And it's my understanding that that was a form of of punishment that God gave the Hebrew people to do and those that were disobedient and out. um, And so they would bring them to a place where they would cast stones down on them. And this wouldn't be just pebbles. These, These are big stones and crushing legs and bones and a miserable thing. So there is, there is a young man named Saul that he was a part of this. Um, he wasn't doing it, but he encouraged the mob, the mob. Isn't that a crazy thing to think about? A mob of people, when they get something in their head, it's scary to think about what might happen. Um, you've heard about uh, the groups of dogs running while Even domesticated dogs, when they get in a pack... And it's so all of a sudden, they, they're doing things that they wouldn't naturally do. They're nice little dogs. But when they get in a pack and they're running, stuff, they, you don't want to be around them. So here's a mob and here's Saul encouraging the death of Stephen to, to silence that voice. Um, 
So let's let's look at who this is. So we're going to jump around in Acts and just get a, a picture of Saul, who Saul is. And so keep your finger here in chapter 8, but jump over to Acts 13, chapter 13. Let's get Let's get a picture of Saul. Acts 13, verse 9. Acts 13, verse 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Okay, and we're going to just stop there. This is after Saul's conversion. It says right here, he had two names. Uh, We also know a little bit about Saul where um, he knew different languages. But, okay, so he's called Saul and he's also called Paul. Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter 22. So you're in 13, so just go forward there. Acts 22, and let's get a picture of this one called Saul and also called Paul. Verse 22, uh, chapter 22, verse 1. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent than he said. I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city, in this city, so he's in Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel Ali. Gamaliel. Did I say that right? Um, so he was a famous, uh, famous teacher for the Pharisees. Um, taught according to the strictness of our fathers the law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. As also the high priest bears before me witness and all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there in Jerusalem to be punished. All right. Let's jump over to Acts chapter 26. So we're getting an idea of this one called Saul and also called Paul. 20... uh, 26, let's do 4 and 5. Acts chapter 26, 4 and 5. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They know me from the first, if they were willing to testify, and according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Okay. So now we know that he was a Pharisee. But he was a young man. Remember, we already read that. At the feet of a young man named Saul. So he's climbing this ladder of Phariseeism. Okay. So while you're in chapter 26, look over to verse 14. 
Acts chapter 26, verse 14. And when they had all, and when we all had fallen to the ground, so he's talking about his conversion here. I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So that's going against conviction, against God. Okay. So just a picture, go back to Acts chapter 8, just a picture of this one Hebrew name Saul, but he was also uh, a Roman. He received Roman citizenship, and he used that Paul. Matter of fact, um, from the time in Acts chapter 13, it stops calling uh, the Bible stops calling him Saul and begins calling him Paul in, in chapter 13. So uh, some say it's because that he went to the Gentiles and so he used that name there. Okay, so um, there's some that say, well, at his conversion, but we don't see that in scripture that he was once called Saul and now he's called Paul. That's, he had both names. But he, his name, his given name was Saul. Okay, just, so this Saul, who was a Pharisee, a young man, he was uh, zealous about uh, quenching this Jesus teaching, this Messiah teaching, even so much that he's had people uh, killed in front of him. Wicked, but zealous that he thought he was doing what's right. Um, so this is, um, an example, like I'm saying, I was saying about examples of participating in darkness, and he was he was doing that with all that he had. Um, just a side note: as I was looking up the name uh, Saul, uh, means desire, and and Paul means small or little, and and some were saying as I was reading that maybe. Uh, he chose that because he felt that way after being a persecutor. I'm going to go with Paul, small, <laughs> small one. Um, so this this Saul, um, and so in Acts chapter 8, it says then, Saul was consenting to his death, talking about Stephen. At that time, a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, Arose, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. I, th- I find that amazing. So the apostles just said, We're not going. And everyone else was scattered. And then it says in verse 2 Devout men or godly men carried Stephen to his burial, and they made great lamentations over him. So a couple of things are happening in the face of this persecution, in the face of mobs that, that uh, Paul is, uh, is bringing together, the one named Saul in the Hebrew. Um, people are, are running away. They're scattering. And we find some people like the disciples, they're just staying put. Kind of like the Holy Spirit's on them. It's like, bring it on. Okay, so there they are. And then there's this other, uh, a couple of guys, it doesn't say who they are, and I was kind of 
guessing maybe who they might be, but they came to carry Stephen's body and they made a loud wailing sound so that everyone could hear as they were lamenting what just happened. So they made this loud. Now, wondered who these men were. And I thought maybe, do you remember how Stephen was one of the seven chosen from the group? Maybe it was one of those or a couple of those men that the Holy Spirit was on and they just were bold enough to go and just do it and just lament as loud as they could so everyone heard what happened to Stephen. Okay. So the next verse says how wicked, how wicked Paul was. It says here, as for Saul, so, so far the scripture up till chapter 13, it starts calling him Saul or Paul, but here it's still Saul. As for Saul, he made havoc or he made destruction of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. That just sounds horrible. Dragging men and women, dragging them off. So the children are left, but here is, here is Saul filled with this darkness of hate of what he thought was right, but so much so that this darkness turned into killing people, hauling them off to prison. So here was this young man just, it sounds like, according to Scripture, more than any of the Pharisees, more than any of them doing this. So he talked about darkness. We talked about darkness, how participating in the chains of darkness can lead us to a place that is horrible. Everything leads somewhere. Every road leads somewhere. And you and I know, again, that there are roads that will lead to destruction, that there's roads that will lead. And so we have to not go down those roads in our minds, uh, where we are with our relationships around us, that we, we cannot participate there, that no longer. And some of you have made those distinctions saying, I used to be... Uh, an addict and no more I'm not anymore I'm not going there and so you drew a line and you stepped back from that saying for the rest of my life I'm not ever going to do that again I've shared with you about this uh, man he's almost my age his name is uh, Vern and I pick him up for the evening church Uh, Vern used to go to the casino and he used to drink and um, and he ended up homeless, and uh, he came to Christ, and now he's he's got an apartment, and he's uh, he's serving. So he he reads scripture for me when we go out there, and so he's part of part of helping that. But every time we go by the casino, he's wow, no, no, and uh, so he prays every time we go by there. He prays for the people there. Lord, would you set them free? Would you help them to be free from alcohol? Help them to be free from, help them. Isn't that a beautiful thing? But he knows, no, nope, I can't have a drop. And that's an honorable thing. Oh, 
not that people can't have a drink and that, but with someone that knows that the darkness, it's like, no, a no. When I said no, I mean no. I'm not going down. Now, for many of us, there are things in our lives that we've said, no. I'm, I know where that leads. No, no more. And, and through the power of God, you've been able to stay strong. Interesting, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about, for the love of Christ compels us, and it goes on to say that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. Amen? So the decisions we make are for the love of Christ and for others. For others. If you can't have a drop, then I'm not going to either. I'm going to love you enough not to do that. Isn't that a beautiful thing? To go, look, I'm going to, I'm going to join you in that, in your recovery. I'm going to join you in victory. Amen? So here we are looking at one's life of darkness that led him to even um, killing people and dragging them off. Now we get to look at one that participates in freedom and light. So look at verse 4. We're going to go to 4 through 8. Now watch this. Therefore, those who were scattered and went everywhere, they were preaching the word. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? So it was like, okay, we're leaving Jerusalem, but we're going to, Preach the word where we're going. It's like they weren't quiet about it. They were preaching the word. Beautiful. They went everywhere preaching the word. Then, here's the one. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Do you remember Samaria? They were kind of half-breeds. They were kind of, they were hated by the Jews. And the Jews hated that. Went down to Samaria (laughs) for the love of God, Right? Went down and led by the Spirit. So Philip went down to Samaria, preached Christ to them. What, what, what would he preach about Christ? Raise your hand if you. What would he preach about Christ? He died for us. <laughs> Christ died for us. What else about Christ? Christ died for us. Howard. He rose again. He, rose again. he didn't stay dead. Nobody comes back to life. The power of God, the Christ, come back to life. What else would he preach about Christ, Diane? Died for our sins. He's coming again. Lori? He's the anointed, the Messiah, the Son of God, Son of Man. He's, he's the power. He is the Almighty. What does it say? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Yes, Andy. <laughs> it's the only way to the Father. It's the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Glenn. Uh, I just say read Isaiah and get back to me. Okay. <laughs> okay, read Isaiah. Yep, Diana. He is God. He is God. There, let's just settle it right there. He is God. Anybody else? He was preaching. Philip was preaching Christ. And so we just took that and said, he was preaching who Christ is. Okay. This is the Savior of the world. So they were preaching as we're going. Here's Philip preaching this. The amazing thing about this, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Right? In Jerusalem, Judea, 
Samaria, does it say Samaria? And the rest of the world. Ends of the world. So, speaking the truth of Christ is a Holy Spirit thing. Whenever you do that, this is evidence of the power of God. What's evidence of not the power of God is shrinking back and not when you know that you need to. This is the power of God to speak. So here's Philip. Here's these others that were scattered. They were preaching the word, preaching Christ to them. So watch what happens in verse 6. The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. Oh my goodness. They responded. They responded to what was happening. Um, Miracles of changed lives. You could just put it together with that. Lives were changed when Philip came through and he preached. And I believe for each one of us, lives are changed as we walk in the Holy Spirit. Lives are changed. We might not see how they're being changed, but lives are changed because of the Holy Spirit in you, the power of God in you to live that witness and to speak. So who's Philip? Let's, let's look at Philip for a minute. Go to the Gospel of John. Now there's other Philips, but I, I kind of like to believe this is the one that Jesus um, handpicked. So let's go to um, the Gospel of John. So you are in Acts, so just take a left and come back. Gospel of John, chapter 1. And let's start at um, uh, let's start at uh, um, here. I'm getting close here. Verse forty-three. Verse forty-three. And it says here. Now. Uh, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he followed. He found Philip, and said to me, "Follow me." Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, "We've found uh, him who, whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph." And Nathaniel said to him, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" Philip said to him. Come and see. Come and see. Then he saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said to him, Behold, the Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because you said this, I saw you under a fig tree, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Most assuredly, I say to you, thereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. 
So Philip, um, Jesus said to him, follow me. And it says Jesus found him. I think that's the most beautiful thing. Because if you've believed in the Lord Jesus, then the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God found you. So I'm going to ask a question. Um, and so just, just say the one word, but... Um, where were you when God found you? And what I mean is that you understood that he's the son of God and you responded and you said, I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. He um, was buried and rose again. Where were you is the question. Where were you when that revelation happened to you? Where were you when God found you? Just raise your hand. Where were you? Yes, Lakeside Bible Camp. Happened at a Bible Camp. Telephone pole. Is that right? You're at a telephone pole. Where? Where? Anybody else? Where were you? Glenn. In the basement of the house across the street. The house across the street in the basement on his knees. God revealed that. Yes, Bev. Tom and I were in a cult and we just left it. A cult even. Wow. Wow. She said, if you couldn't hear her, she said she was in a cult. And God spoke to her using John 1, 1, 1. In the word, in the beginning was the word. Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Where were you? Yes. Church basement. In the kitchen, in the church basement. Good place to be. Anybody else? Where were you? Yes, Carol. By the side of my grandma. Side of your grandma. Beautiful picture. Anybody else? Where were you? Yes, Keith. Entrance to a church. Okay. Okay. Spoke to the pastor on the way out of church, and then. all right. Anybody else? Where were you? When God found you. Yes, Vivian. I was uh, 12 in a single-wide makeshift church on an island in Alaska. <laughs> in oh, Annette Island. Island in Alaska, a single-wide trailer. It was the church. Was the church. Wow. Was it cold? No, they had heat. Oh, they had heat. <laughs> So participating in light, when God brought his light in, in John 1, I'm glad you talked about that. Go to John chapter 1, and here's what it says about the light. Gospel of John chapter 1, and I'll just, instead of picking out the verse, I'll just read through. This is what Bev said she memorized, and that's how God brought, found her. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. There wasn't anything made that wasn't made through Him. In Him was life, and this life was the light of all people. Amen. Amen. And then look at verse 9. 
That was the true light which coming into the world gives light to every man, every woman, every one. Okay. How do we receive that light? Well, we've explained the gospel that believing that Christ died for our sins on the cross, that's the only way to get to the Father is that our sins would be um, uh, our sins would be taken away. Um, believing that he was buried and on the third day rose again. But I want you to see something here in chapter 1 of John, verse 12. But as many as received to them, he gave them the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, those who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So that's really key there is that you're only sitting here not because all of a sudden you woke up. It's because God caused you to wake up to believe in him. He caused you to become born again. God was looking for you and you are specific and important for his plan today. There's people's lives that need Jesus. And you're the one that's been assigned. Do you remember when God called Moses? He said to Moses out of the burning bush, he said, I've heard my people cry. And so I've come down to deliver them. And so I've chosen you, Moses, to go (laughs) and to deliver them. Guess what? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have that design on your life also to help people find eternal life. There's no greater gift that you can be a part of. Participating in the life means life for people for eternity with God. You have the power. You have the gift. You have the design. We do it in different ways. The message stay always stays the same, but the method can change depending on where you are and what you're doing. Amen? So all of us are on the hook that we believe in Jesus and we've been assigned. So um, part of this is staying focused. And I, I asked this question and I'm going to, I'm going to ask it again, but maybe, um, maybe there's going to be more than five, but I asked this question for the guys. Um, What are the fundamentals? What are the everyday um, things that you do that um, helps you to survive this crazy world that we live in and not only survive, but thrive? What are the things that you just, you have to do every single day? And you know what I mean? It's every single day because when you don't do one of them or you don't, then um, you feel like you're wearing two left shoes or something. But what are those things that are just a must for you to survive or and thrive? So we're going we're gonna to do this like I did the men's thing. What is you have to do every single day? Martin. Pray. Pray. Praying is talking to the one who saved you. Praying is, you know, in prayer is also um, praise and thanksgiving. It's a relationship. 
So when you're talking, this is a relationship. There's some of you in this room that when you're waking up in the morning, the first thing you do is go, hello, Lord. And you begin talking before you even get out of bed because you know that it's a must that you connect when you're aware and you connect with God. So what is something else that you just, you have to do every single day? It's like drinking water. Or sh- I, I have to eat. I have to. Yes, Andy. Um, acknowledge that my salvation is a gift and that God is in control and not me. Okay. Wow. So she said, acknowledge that salvation is a gift from God and he's in control and not me. Wow. Is there... Um, raise your hand if you are um, if you are a person that just you have to uh, work at not being in control of everything that's just you want to be in control of everything anybody here that just okay there's a few of you just I want to be in control say say knowing God's in control okay so what else what are one of those things that you can share yeah Dale trust in the Lord Dale's verse, he keeps saying, I don't know, almost every other week he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Amen? So that's it. He says, I I have to acknowledge God every single day, not once a week, not once a month, once a year, every single day. So we're talking about things that you need to survive this crazy world and thrive. And so we're talking prayer. We're talking acknowledging who God is, our salvation. Okay, what else? Yes. Saying his word. His word. His word. What did Jesus say? Shall, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that precedes him. So every single day you need to be in his word to, to survive and then to thrive in his word every single day. Now, some of you may not read as good as others, but you can listen to it, right? You can find out ways to listen. There used to be those things called cassettes that you could plug in. I don't think they have them anymore, but your phone. Um, But that's a must. Why is that one a must? Why is being in God's word every single day a must? Since since she brought it up, yes. How about close to God. Okay, it it centers your mind. It it right? It, what is that Romans 12? It's about the mind, renewing your mind. Okay. Over here, what is just absolutely every single day you must do it to survive and to thrive. What what is that? Yeah. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. He is our power and he's that gift that's given. We have different gifts that manifest that his Holy Spirit power. We really can't do anything without him. So everything, everything. Okay, anybody else? What is it that you must do every single day? What is it, Alice, that you must do every single day? Look out the window and acknowledge that God's right there and did it all. (laughs) Look at creation. She said, look out the window and acknowledge God is the creator and he's with me. He's with you. Okay, acknowledge Okay, so we have more than five, but Dale, give thanks. Give thanks. thanks. That's a big one. 
giving thanks even when things. So I wrote down a couple of things here to talk with God. That's a must. Um, The word of God. Um, Meditate on the word of God. You know what that looks like? Meditating on the word of God. You've, You've read it through and now you're digesting it and you're going... Now, how's, what does that mean? Do I, okay, do I understand it? And then, what does that mean for me? So, meditating on it. And meditating, a good way to meditate on it throughout the day is, is memory, scripture memory. And so, when you've got a couple of verses, you start out in the morning, put it on a card or something, and then bring it back again, and you're meditating. Um, when I was in Sri Lanka... Um, I met a man who used to be Buddhist and he was a believer in Jesus Christ in the, in the church with Andy and Rachel. And I asked him about that because I, I knew that they specialized in meditation. And in their meditation, this is what they'd do. They would focus on one, one thing and block everything out. So they would train their mind to just one thing, block everything else out, and they'd, just, they'd, they'd start going through this ritual of just focusing on that one thing. So I asked him, so how do you, is there anything you've brought over? And he said, oh yeah, it's meditation. And I said, so what do you meditate on? He said, God's word, God's word. And he said, I, there's one thing in God's word that he has for me in the day. And I meditate on that one thing and I just keep bringing it back. And so he has this time. So we as believers, right? This is the power of God, his Holy Spirit and his word. Time to meditate on his word. Meditate on his word. Um, confession of sin. Now, last week we touched on uh, Jeremiah that God already knows. He's just waiting for us to say, um, you know what I did? He said, I'm glad you said that because I want to forgive you. So <laughs> I want to relieve that burden from you confession of sin. And so when, when we're reading or when we're going about our day and God brings something convicting that we've messed up on, it's like right away say, Lord, please forgive me. That was wrong. That wasn't your spirit. And you know what he does? Takes it away. You're clean, ready to go again. You're all tuned up. But it's that simple. But if we don't acknowledge that it is a sin against God, if he's revealed it to you and we don't acknowledge it, we carry this thing around, right? And we just, right? And we don't have to. Okay, so that's confession, uh, submitting to the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus said, you shall worship the, the Lord your God and serve him only. So looking for... How am I going to serve you today, Lord? Is it in my wife or is it in my house? How am I going to serve you today? Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. And so the Holy Spirit in us says, I'm, I'm a servant. And so this is what I do. This is who I am now. This is, I always have this towel. I'm a, I am a servant. And everywhere I go, I'm looking for how can I serve. That agenda that kingdom agenda means that we serve to help people find him and those that haven't we're encouraging them along the way all right so we looked at scripture today in acts chapter 8 of a person that was participating in the chains of darkness 
And then we looked at one that was participating in the um, kingdom of light and freedom. And um, there was a couple other things I wanted to say about Philip before we end here. And uh, just just the background of Philip. Um, turn to John chapter um, 6. And Philip shows up here, John chapter 6. And this is the one that God would use. But he's training him in, in John chapter 6. He's training him. And I think the beauty of walking with God is expecting to get training every day. Not thinking we've arrived, but Lord, what are you going to train me in today? So uh, look at this training for Philip in John chapter 6, beginning at verse 4. John 6, verse 4. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, uh, where shall we buy bread to feed that these may eat? But this he said to test him. He knew what he would do. So God was training Philip. And in verse 7, Philip responds, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. And I think that's beautiful for you and I because I think oftentimes we limit ourselves to the flesh. We limit ourselves to our own resources. But God has bigger resources. And so, God, I can't do this. You know who I am. I, I you know, and Moses tried that, right? I can't speak so... <laughs> Who made your mouth, man? So, so God wants us to engage him above what we're uncomfortable with. That's where the Holy Spirit, now we get to see his power is in that place where we may not be comfortable. So here's Philip's answer. And I love Andrew. He was being trained, uh, trained too. And so he had a different, Simon Peter's brother, he said, you know what, here's a boy right here with two, uh, five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are these for so many? I just, <laughs> isn't that beautiful? Here, here Lord, you're going to do something amazing. And so, of course, what he did. Uh, another Philip thing is turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Uh, the disciples start to start to get troubled in their hearts because of what Jesus has been saying about him leaving them. And um, so he says uh, in verse six, I am the way, the truth and life and no one comes to the father except through me. And then in verse seven, he says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and you have seen him. So here's Philip. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. 
And then he says something real beautiful right here. He's talking to Philip still, and I'm sure the others were listening. And you being disciples of the Lord, listen in today, most assuredly. So here's Jesus, the Son of God, saying to you today. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So do we believe? So yes. And maybe like... um, the man that wanted his son healed, he said, Lord, help my unbelief, right? So our time is over today, but we've talked about the chains of darkness and we've talked about the powers of light and life. And if you've believed on the Lord Jesus, he's given you the power of the, war, of the, of the universe because he is almighty. And he's assigned us as a church and, and, and you independently, he's got, a, he's got a, a work for you to do this week. Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you to do this work. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord God. Lord, and we want to just put out there, if there's somebody here today that hasn't fully trusted you, um, We pray that this is the day and it's happening even right now. They're saying, Lord, I trust you with my life. I believe that Jesus came and made a way for me to be reconciled to my creator God. That Jesus died for my sins on the cross. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. First fruits of the resurrection. And all of us who believe will follow in that for all eternity. And in the meantime, we thank you, Lord God, that you've given us the power of your Holy Spirit to live this new life. So, Father, we just thank you and we praise your holy name that you are our source of power and life and love. So we thank you, Lord, for the assignment that you're giving us. Lord, would you make us more and more a house of prayer because praying according to your word, your will, your way, It's a powerful work that you want to do. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.